It's Justin Michael, and we're back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. The, the truth is that there's just there's a lot of unstable things in the world right now. There's a lot of unpredictability, whether that's, you know, sports and how many games you can get in or, you know, the restaurant industry or whatever it is. You know, there's just a lot of things that are unpredictable where you don't want to be unpredictable is your mortgage. And that's why you want to talk with Mike and Virginia Chevalier. They're not only diehard Broncos fans, they're proud CSU alums. They've supported DNBR for a long time as members. Most importantly, they're a husband and wife duo with over 15 years of financial service experience. If you're a skeptic like me, you might be wondering, you know, hey, are these rates actually as good as I'm hearing? They are. You got to call them right now. They're incredible. They can save you hundreds of dollars a month, thousands of dollars in interest over the life of a loan. I mean, who doesn't want to save thousands? That's a no-brainer. These guys can help you find out if you're able to reduce, maybe even eliminate your current insurance mortgage premium. Visit dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. If you're still not sold, I'm going to give you one last pitch, and it just honestly comes down to honesty. And that's what Mike and Virginia are all about. Refinancing, it's not for everyone. So they will run, you know, a quick analysis and honestly let you know whether refinancing might be right for you. Visit dnvrmortgage.com, enter to get a free DNVR hat or shirt of your choosing. Most importantly, get set up with that free consultation or call Mike directly at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Great guys, um, hard-fought football game. Um, you know, once again, we spotted uh, spotted 14 points. We gave up two big returns: one on a punt return, one on a kickoff return. Uh, with that, you know, we we felt to win this game. We knew this was the top team in our conference, and we felt to win this game, we had to be able to run the ball on offense. We did that. We felt like we had to stop the run on defense. We did that. Uh, top rushing team in America. We we outrushed them ourselves. Um, I thought we were played damn good on defense. I thought uh, on offense we were very inconsistent. We had a couple of inopportune sacks uh, in the red zone, and, uh, and 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 through you know a couple of interceptions, one at a very critical point of the game. Uh, we've got to clean that up. We had some inconsistency at times against the heavy pressure team up front but we were shuffling a couple of new linemen. And I thought for the most part, given all that, we had to outrush them when we did. We got to make more more plays in the throw game, realizing that it was hard because of all the blitzing. But uh, it's a shame that, uh, you know, we gave up uh, two big scores because, you know, that, that game on the road is one hell of a football game. So we've got a lot to work on, and uh, we're going to get – we're going to keep working to correct those things and keep developing our football program. Uh, happy to answer any questions. Hey, Steve, Justin Michael of DNVR here. It looked like that after that second return, Ryan Stone has started punting the ball towards the sidelines more. Was that, you know, something that you guys directed him to do? Well, every punt is different. We have directional rugby punts. They're all different landmarks, but those are directional punts that, that that's where it's supposed to be. Now, he did a fabulous job punting the ball. The one return we had was a byproduct, really, um, he outkicked the coverage. And then we, because when he outkicked the coverage, um, we got 
a little bit out of our lanes, our net. And that was the one that struck us. And that, that was a shame because really he did a fabulous job punting the ball. He tilted the field with his punts. And on the kickoff return uh, that hit for the touchdown, I was actually over, you know, speaking with the O-line. I caught it on the replay. We pinned it against the sideline, one yard from the sideline, end up coming all the way across the field and breaking out. It's kind of a broken play. Um, and, and, you know, I think, you know, we probably had some guys that, probably took the foot off the gas a little bit when it was against the sideline to the field, came back to the field and we got stuck on some blocks, didn't set a good enough edge and it pierced us. You guys, you know, made the decision to go to Todd Santeo late. He leads a touchdown drive. Marcus McElroy broke that big run. Wasn't able to do a whole lot after that, but did, did you want to go with him more just because you were struggling to, keep Patty, you know, in the pocket a little bit, had some, some issues protecting him? Well, we made a decision in the first half, we're going to play Toddy a series. That's what we did. And we're going to play him in the second half of series. Well, we put him in the second half after we threw an interception coming out of our own red zone. And uh, that's what we did. So, um, you know, he made some very good throws. I mean, we had a chance to move the ball. We had a drop ball. That was a beautiful throw on third and 13 or something. So I think, I think Todd, I think Pat did some good things early. I thought Toddy did some good things. And, uh, but we felt like at the end of the game, we're going to put Toddy in the game. First of all, he was going to play anyways, a series in each half. But secondly, after we threw the pick right there, we know we can't, we can't do that, you know? And, and so we made that decision. Coach Kevin Lytle with Colorado. And can you pinpoint why this has gone wrong on special teams two games in a row? Obviously, and we've talked that, you know, obviously it's a focus and practice and everything. Where's the disconnect that that is kind of leading to some of these issues? There's not a disconnect. I just told you on the kickoff team, we had some we probably had some guys that took the foot off the gas a little when it was against the sideline and on the punt. We had a fabulous punt. We outkicked our coverage. And when we outkicked our coverage, our net broke down. That's what happened. It's not a disconnect. That just happened. Alrighty, let's jump into it. That was obviously Steve Adazio postgame after Colorado State fell 29-17 to San Diego State in Los Angeles. First time that the Rams have played in L.A. County. Since the 2004 trip to USC, this game went a little bit better than that one, but ultimately, just a really tough night. Another game where special teams really proves to be the difference in the outcome, and it's just hard to swallow, man. Five touchdowns allowed in the last two weeks via special teams. It's it's just gotta be better. I mean, point blank simple. We obviously asked Adazio there, kind of went where what went wrong. And I really do appreciate the fact that he he went through the plays and he broke them down. He did the same thing after the Boise State game. I mean, he doesn't dumb it down or anything. He makes it incredibly clear what went wrong. The issue is, is well, how do you fix it then? You know, what are, what are you doing in practice that that changes it? Because we've asked about that a couple of times, and you know, they always say that well, we're working on it. Well, it's just not getting better. Now, I should I should clarify. You know, I I understand that right now it's it's been weird with the wonky practice schedule and you're constantly shuffling bodies because of contact tracing and COVID and injuries and everything else. I get all of that. It is not a normal year, but you're not seeing other teams allow five touchdowns on special teams in a two week period. So it's, 
It's got to be better. Point blank, period. It's got to be better because the defensive line, they were terrific tonight. They absolutely did everything that you could have possibly asked for. I mean, CSU had 15 tackles for loss tonight. That's the most that they've had against an FBS opponent since at least 2000. That's a terrific showing. I mean, they got after the quarterback. They were rushing him. Another great game from Scott Patchen and Toby McBride. I mean, Scott Patchen was, he was a one-man wrecking crew out there. He had seven total tackles, but if you were just watching him, they they were having to double him. They were doing everything they could to try to keep him away from the quarterback because that dude was just bringing pressure. Finished with two sacks, another two tackles for loss, had a QB hit as well. Really, really productive night for the Miami transfer. Like I said, it was another great showing from Toby McBride. I thought the linebackers were terrific. Daquan Jackson was awesome. He led the Rams with 13 total tackles. Henry Blackburn, the safety, he was really, really impressive. I, He's a freshman. He might be the best open field tackler on the entire team. He made a terrific tackle on punt coverage, and he followed it up with three or four just really impressive open field tackles uh, against San Diego State running backs that would have probably gone for big plays had he not been able to make those plays. Those are kind of tackles that CSU safeties have missed over the last couple of years. So, you know, that really stood out to me. He finished with 10 total, seven solo, strong showing. Uh, Cameron Carter, another 10 tackle night, four solo, half a sack, two and a half for a loss. He was solid. Really the defense in general, I mean, this this they played good enough to put CSU in position to win. I mean, they really did. It was to me, you know, it comes down to special teams and then just the inconsistencies on offense. This team, they have no identity on offense whatsoever. And I do think part of the problem is switching back and forth between the quarterbacks because I think it's hard to establish a rhythm. I think it's hard for any quarterback to play when he has to look over his shoulder constantly, but especially Patrick O'Brien, I mean yeah, that, that interception that he had tonight, it, it was not good. He tried to force it. You know, they're, they're coming out of their own red zone. CSU really needed to drive there, and it was a ball that he just shouldn't have thrown. But to pull him, I I mean, it wasn't like he was horrible all night. The, the offensive line, it, it was kind of, you know, a patchwork group tonight, and it showed. They, they just weren't as strong in pass protection as they have been in, in other weeks. And O'Brien didn't have the time. I thought he... I thought he had happy feet on a on a couple of moments, but in general, he just didn't really have a clean pocket. And, you know, while I've said I, I do support the idea of bringing Santeo in there and trying to mix some things up every now and then, trying to take advantage of his athleticism, I mean, he led, he did lead one scoring drive. Granted, it was mostly because Marcus McElroy broke that long run. But, you know, there was another play where Santeo decided to keep it. He ended up stumbling if he just would have handed it off to Vivens, I mean, it might have gone for a touchdown, but it was easily going for 20 plus yards. There was nothing but grass and it ended up being, you know, a play for no gain. So yes, you know, it helps that he can come in and, and kind of shake things up a little bit. But once the defense really keys in on the fact that, you know, he's not really going to throw the ball downfield that often, it's just really, really tough position to be in. I thought the Rams still had a chance to come back, you know, late in that game. It even the announcers, you know, they were kind of commenting it on how it was just a weird decision. You know, you're you're in the game, you're only down 12. If you hit on a big pass or two, you know, maybe maybe you can keep the game alive. I know the Rams hadn't really done it at any point. I just, I, I didn't really understand that decision. 
I don't really get what CSU was doing with the quarterback position in general this season. It's not the first time I've said that. It's just odd. I'm actually going to talk about that later uh, when I get into some fan responses because I had a couple people ask me to respond to that. So I don't want to talk about it too much right now before I get into that. Uh, but I'm just going to play some audio from Marcus McElroy and then Toby McBride just kind of talking about their frustration having to, you know, watch those touchdowns happen on special teams, especially given that, you know, it was a big night for Marcus. It was a big night for the defensive line. Those guys did what they needed to do in order to put CSU in a position to win. Unfortunately, you know, when you give up 14 points on special teams, it's just it's a tough break. It really was. So I'm going to get to that audio and then I'm going to get to fan responses and we're going to keep this thing rolling. Hey, Marcus, Justin Michael of DNVR here. You know, obviously not the outcome that you guys were looking for, but you had a pretty big night rushing two touchdowns, a 35 yard rushing touchdown. What kind of went well for you tonight? Um, I think right now the thing that kind of just went well was just um, as a team, we kind of pushed forward. Um, we kind of all got a little bit of a momentum. Um, and I think right there that kind of just helped, you know, get me, you know, the yards I needed to get. I think, um, you know, offensively, it's kind of hard when, you know, you have some people that aren't really in or some people that aren't really out. So I think at the moment we all kind of just um, really came together and, you know, the offensive line came and, they were ready and they were motivated as soon as we got the ball. And I think I was just ready to go. So I think, you know, the moment was, you know, whoever was in, we were going to do something. You know, as an offensive starter, this is the, the second week in a row, you know, you guys have given up a couple of touchdowns via special teams. It doesn't make it that much hard to stomach just knowing like that's not even in your control. Um, you know, it's tough. It's hard. You know, you kind of just, um, you know, for me, my thing is, you know, I spent, a decent amount of my time doing some special teams um, when I first got here. Um, I understand it's a tough job, and, you know, I, I don't really um, get too frustrated, but at the same time, it does sort of irritate me, you know, if I'm not out there and I can't really control what's going on. And, you know, it's always tough to stomach, you know, the fact that, you know, there's a few points that are out there that, you know, weren't either, you know, in my control or in control of something that, you know, something so little. So I think at the same time, you got to got to, it sucks and it really hurts, but, you know, I think our special team just has to go out there and come back to practice and be ready to work and hopefully change the help, change those things that are going wrong. Hey, Toby, Justin Michael of DNVR here. You know, obviously not the final outcome that you guys were looking for, but the front seven in particular had a really impressive showing. You guys had a ton of tackles for loss, really got after the quarterback. You know, what went well for you guys out there? Why were you guys able to make such an impact? All week we had to emphasize on stopping the run. Uh, we know that's what San Diego State does, and that's what they do well. And in order to win on defense, we had to stop the run. So um, we just practiced that all week. We knew what plays were coming before they ran them. Um, so I'm extremely proud of how the defensive line played and how the defense played in general. Um, defensive line, I can be more proud of them. I think everyone played every single snap, all the starters. So um, if we can get that going and keep that going, uh, we're going to win a lot of games. And we're just so close to putting the whole thing together and getting the win. Obviously, you know, any loss is going to be frustrating, but does it make it a little more frustrating just given that you guys really balled out tonight and, you know, you take away a couple of special teams plays, you, you know, very likely win this game? Yeah, it is really frustrating just because we know – 
how to win. We've done it in Wyoming. We know um, if we just fire on all cylinders, special teams, defense, offense, then uh, that's how we're going to get the win. So if we can just keep that going and get back to where we were in Wyoming, um, you know, it's obviously hard to do that on the road against a good team like San Diego State. Um, and all props to them, but we got to find a way to get that done on the road um, and fire on all cylinders. All right, I'm going to get to all of your Twitter questions in just a second. Before I do, though, the gyms may not be full, but there's definitely no shortage of madness this college basketball season. For us, the fans, college basketball powers, they originally gifted us with an amazing matchup between Gonzaga and Baylor this weekend. It was supposed to be just a dope, dope game on Saturday between two of the nation's top teams. Unfortunately, that game did not end up happening due to COVID. DraftKings Sportsbook, though, they were giving all college basketball users who sign up the chance to win $100 when betting on either Gonzaga or Baylor. That's just how DraftKings rolls. Unfortunately, you know, that game didn't happen. They do that on all kinds of games. You know they're going to make it up to us any day now. When you sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook using the promo code DNVR, you can get a deposit bonus of up to $1,000. That's right. Sign up, use that promo code DNVR, and they will match your deposit up to $1,000. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet from live betting to betting on your favorite players. They do it all. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up, and they will match your deposit up to $1,000. Make sure that you are keeping up with all of those limited offers as well, all kinds of dope odds boosts that they offer on a daily basis. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Cool, 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 cool. Obviously a, a really frustrating night for the green and gold, uh, the Ram Nation, the Ram Faithful, whatever you want to be called on this evening. I am going to try and make it a little bit better though, especially for you Colorado residents. DraftKings Sportsbook, they are offering a killer odds boost you're going to have until Sunday night to take advantage of this, and that's why I'm going to talk about it now. The Broncos, they didn't have a quarterback last week. It was unprecedented, literally rolling a practice squad dude out there who hadn't thrown the ball in weeks. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. DraftKings are making it up to us with an odds boost at plus 100. All the Broncos have to do is complete one pass. If they do, you double your money up to five bucks on that bet. Hey. That's a free five bucks. Don't miss out. That is my DraftKings pick of the week. Denver Broncos to complete one pass. Odds boosted at plus 100. Cool, 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 cool. Let's get to all of those Twitter questions now. Thank you to everybody that responded. I will try to get to everyone. If I miss yours, it is simply an oversight. All right, starting off with my guy, Aaron Harris. We have one more game this year. Let's use this as a practice for 2021. What do you want to see most from this game? You know, I think that's a, a pretty logical perspective. Steve Adazio himself said this week that essentially every game that they play is an opportunity to get better. It's a chance to build upon the foundation of your program. So you look at it kind of like building blocks. You know, yes, this San Diego State game, it made you want to pull your freaking hair out. I get it. When you watch him give up two touchdowns on special teams, it's just like, ah, I get it. It's, it's tough. And 
It's got to be better. It does. I will say there are some things we've seen this year that I think you can really view as positive, and the players agreed. You know, Kelly Lyle asked Marcus McElroy about that. He said the same thing. You know, when you look at the defensive line and what you've seen there, when you look at Dante Wright and the improvement that he's shown as a route runner, I mean, he's a legitimate number one wide receiver. He had a drop tonight, and it was a tough one. I actually got asked. Um, I'll come back to that one, I guess. I got asked, I know, that though, you know, if I thought that that drop would have really impacted the game one way or another. You know, it was on third and 13, and Santeo, he put the ball right where it needed to be. So, yeah, it was a big-time drop. You know, maybe you're able to go down and score. Definitely not the the difference between winning and losing. As uh, As far as what do I want to see from this next game, Utah State, we might get one more, by the way. UNLV is not officially canceled as of right now. Still up in the air. I kind of, I'd be pretty surprised if if UNLV ended up rescheduling, just given that, you know, it's been kind of a rough season for them. But I hope it happens. I'd love to get two more home games in. If there is only one more home game, though, what do I want to see most? I want to see a balanced effort on offense. You know, I I liked what we saw in flashes from McElroy tonight. I definitely liked what we saw from Vivens at times. But the run game, it's just inconsistent now. I know a big part of that, you know, you had a patchwork offensive line and it showed you're going against a stout D line. That's not the case with Utah State. It's not the case with UNLV either, but it's definitely not the case with Utah State. I want to see CSU run the football. I want to see them run it consistently. I want to see the offensive line, you know, getting off their blocks and going to the next level. I just want to see that. I want to see the Rams dominate the trenches the way that they've been able to do it on the defensive side of the football. I'd like to see one game where the offensive line does that and the Rams really run it down somebody's throat. Next question, coming from my guy Nicholas Toffelmeyer, aka Daily Adam Thistlewood on Instagram. When does the pain end? How much longer till both basketball teams are playing? And can we watch winning programs? (laughs) The pain is never ending when you are a CSU fan, unfortunately. There are just brief moments where it, it gets better. (laughs) it's sad but true next question coming from stomach 18 at ram fan i've never coached football before and i don't know a lot about special teams so think i'm the man for the job can i get an interview i'll put in a word for you if you put in a good word for me at flickerbach i know you already tweeted this out a little bit but why centeo in those closing minutes needed two quick scores and pob gives you more options for quick strikes yeah yeah, I'll be honest, I, I didn't really agree with that either. I, I alluded to that a little bit earlier. I think in that situation, it just makes more sense to go with Patrick O'Brien. Now, I will say, I know that Adazio's reasoning, at least he didn't quite say this, but to me, it was very similar to Fresno State. They weren't really able to protect the quarterback very consistently. So I'm guessing, you know, their opinion is if we if we bring in San, Santeo, maybe his mobility opens some things up. It did on a couple of plays. I mean, on that Dante Wright drop, he was able to buy some time, scramble out of the pocket, make a nice throw downfield. It didn't end up working out. You know, the decision, it could, it could really go either way. Ultimately, I don't think benching Patrick O'Brien at the end was the reason that they lost this game. I think it still comes down to special teams. You know, the offense, it wasn't consistent enough. But ultimately, you know, you you allow two returns on special teams that go for touchdowns. You allow another one to go on the plus side of the 50, you miss a field goal. I'm not throwing Robert List under the under the bus or anything, though, because I think he's actually the best young kicker that CSU's had in quite some time. So 
got to figure things out on special teams. That's definitely the biggest key will probably be the biggest takeaway from this podcast. Uh, but I, I would have gone with Patrick O'Brien late there as well. All right, moving on. Mike Flick, how awesome is the D-line? I'll answer that for you. They are awesome. They are awesome, man. They're, it's just fun to watch. It's been, I think this is the best CSU defensive line fit of the last 15 years. I mean, maybe even 20. Uh, you'd have to go way back to like Clark Hagen's, Joey Porter, some of those dudes. These dudes are legit. At CSU Donald, why didn't Joyce cancel this game, LOL? Yeah, it's... The Rams have not had any luck when it comes to... They, they gotta play the good teams on the road and all their winnable home games get canceled. It's just been really unlucky, man. <laughs> Mike Flick, why did I enjoy watching my team lose more than not watching them play? Honestly, I did too. Playing is better than not playing. Yes, it sucked. You would have wanted to get a victory tonight. But I think we can all agree the fact that they got some football games this fall, it's still better than no football at all. I mean, they got the Border War victory, you got the bronze boot back, you got that small moment. There've been, you know, bursts. Obviously, the defensive line's been terrific. Trey McBride's been a stud. Dante Wright is Dante Wright. We've seen the line a lot of t- growth out of the linebackers. I talked a bunch about Henry Blackburn, Robert List, freshman kicker hitting the game-winning field goal. These are all things that you can build off of moving forward. At the end of the day, playing games is better than not playing games, whether you win or lose. Next question coming from my guy, Scott Nyes at the Collegian. I hope I pronounced your last name correctly, buddy. If not, DM me and let me know. How much of the Rams' struggles this season do you think should be attributed to the unpredictable nature of 2020, or should there be legitimate concern regarding the Adazio era moving forward? That is a great question. Maybe the best question so far. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... I think it's fair to say that some of the stuff you've seen on special teams would be, you know, really concerning just from a lack of detail and stuff like that, I guess. But ultimately, I just don't know how many, you know, true hot takes or like overarching takeaways you can take from this season, just given it's been so freaking wonky. And I'm not even just going all the way back to August with everything that happened in the investigation. Then you come back the roller coaster of playing, not playing, what happened with New Mexico, then you finally get to play, but you're missing, you know, your your best wide receiver and a bunch of other dudes, and you do get to play. It's just been everything about this year has been weird. I I just I I think that really does matter. I mean, we'd probably be looking at the season a lot differently if they beat the hell out of New Mexico and UNLV already. I mean, a win over Air Force certainly would have had everybody pumped after they had already beaten Wyoming. You know, right now people feel down because, you know, all that's really in people's heads is their performance against Boise and the performance against UNLV. That's fair. You know, the games are the games. They play out how they play out. Those happened. You can't make excuses. But at the end of the day, you know, there've just been so many shuffling bodies. They haven't had the, the amount of reps that you would hope for. I just I think it would be ignorant to assume that that is at least not somewhat of a factor. That's that's where I'm at. So ultimately, I think if you really want to judge Adazio, you're probably going to have to do it on some other stuff. You know, how does he manage games? How does he react to teams? And to be honest, in, in that regard, I've I've kind of liked what I've seen from an adjustment perspective, at least on the defensive side. Offensively. I don't know so much. It's It's been wonky, but most of that has to do with the quarterback. So it, it's a weird season. 
I'm, I'm, I've really been rambling here. I'm not sure I've even actually directly answered the question, but basically <laughs> what I'm saying is that you have to consider all of the other factors. I don't think it would be fair to just say, Adazio is a terrible coach. You know, we made a horrible decision because I, you know, I, I, there have been some moments. I think the team has been playing hard. I've liked what I've seen in that aspect. I like, you know, how they kept, even tonight, you know, they kept fighting even after giving up those special teams blows. That really could have been the final nail in the coffin. It wasn't. The Rams, you know, they put themselves back in position. I mean, they still could have won this game. So I like the fight. Got to clean some things up. Ultimately, I'm not going to be making any overarching opinions till probably at least after next season. Next question comes from Flickerbach again. My guy, Mike Flick, where is the fun, creative, exciting, balanced offensive attack that we were promised with the hiring of Joey Lynch? You know, the the thing that I've probably been most concerned about regarding the offense has just been the lack of a number three guy in the passing offense. You know, they're, they're running the ball. It's McElroy, it's Vivens. They have that established. Their number one passing option at wide receiver, it's Dante Wright. Their other option, you know, 1A, Trey McBride. Those are those guys. They lean on it. But where's everyone else, man? Nate Craig Myers, EJ Scott, Ty McCullough. I mean, Ty wasn't on the field tonight, but, you know, we just, you, you got to find a way to get some of these other dudes in the mix. It can't all be Trey and Dante. We've been, we've been saying this for weeks now. It's going to open everything up if you can get some of these guys in the mix. CSU just really hasn't been able to do it. Uh, the the weird thing, and, and I don't know if this is a schematic thing, a play calling thing, or if it's, you know, O'Brien just not looking their way, but they're really not even getting targeted. And I know there's some frustration there. I've had some, you know, parents of, of certain players reach out to me and, and they're pretty frustrated in that regard. I get it. I would be too if I was the parent of a skill position player right now and, and he wasn't getting the ball. I I would like to see them open some things up a little bit more, you know, in addition to running the ball a little bit better down the line. That's definitely a great question, and it's been a big factor. All right, moving on. Jeff Call, it is too early. Is it too early to start thinking about who's coming back next year? Definitely not. Will there be a silver lining here? I've you know kind of addressed that already. I think the silver lining is that you're just getting these reps in. You're really establishing your identity, especially on the defensive side of the football. Can you build on this? Yes. And will guys like Patrick O'Brien leave rather than ride a QB carousel, not to mention the receivers who came here to be playmakers? You hope not. I mean, you hope not to lose these talented wide receivers, but you never know. I mean, there's always transferring, especially, you know, after the first year of a new staff, I think there's even more transfers in general than, you know, going into that year because players, they kind of want to see Well, we'll give it a chance. And then if it doesn't work out, they leave. So you hope not to lose those receivers. We'll have to see. I think you're much more likely to potentially lose, you know, a guy like Patrick O'Brien who could potentially decide to go somewhere, you know, at the the P5 level, potentially pursue NFL opportunities. I would imagine Santeo would would stick around, especially, you know, considering why he transferred over. You'll just kind of, we're going to have to see though. That, that It is really a great question. I just think it's too early to answer. All right, keep it going. Uh, from my guy, Mike, with SDSU having the 10th ranked rushing defense, why run so frequently on first and second down, especially when trailing in the second half? Why so many slow developing play action calls when the O-line has given up 3.33 sacks per game, ranked 109th? Yeah, you know, it's a great point. I, I really hated some of those play action calls, especially on second and long. Uh, when San Diego State was starting to pressure, you know, they they just take too long to develop. I've I've seen a lot of people kind of posting about the 
the rushing on first and second down, it in a lot of ways kind of reminds people of Dan Reeves, just really predictable. I don't have as big of an issue with running the ball on first down. I do think you have to kind of establish yourself and the Rams to an extent were able to do that. My my bigger problem is running the ball, you know, on second and seven, second and eight. In those instances, the the analytics just show that's not a good way to move the football. It really isn't. You're much better passing the ball. Why were they doing it? I think a big part of it was they couldn't really protect the quarterback consistently. It's a lot like that Fresno State game. They just were like, you know, we can't really throw the football right now. We're going to try and lean on the run game. Hopefully we can do enough there to to steal a win if our defense is able to ball out. The defense did ball out. They actually ran the football okay. It wasn't great. Their numbers were definitely inflated by a couple of big runs, but you know, rushing is always going to be Steve Adazio's identity. It's going to be a big part of the offense. They're just they're going to have to figure it out and we're going to have to get used to seeing it. So that's where that's where it is. I'd, I'd like to see them open it up a little bit more. But again, you know, a lot of that comes down to what bodies you have. I mean, tonight you're missing your starting right tackle, Keith Williams. His presence was definitely missed in pass protection. You know, you need those guys. So we'll have to see. I, I think I got to all your questions there. If I missed anybody, I'm sorry. You can always tweet at me again and I'll respond to you there. But we will be back with more content. I'll have a couple of written pieces on this game as well as a feature on the defensive line. Hope you check all of that out. Peace.